0: imagine how shocked and stunned the people were in Jesus's day when he entered the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth and he very dramatically opened the scroll and read from the prophet Isaiah he read the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and in so doing Jesus announced to the world that he was the anointed one and that he had the anointing to do great things. Everybody loves to preach about and talk about the anointing of God. Hello, I'm Christine Darick and in this program of Exploits I'm longing to talk to you about the anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is so powerful. It was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 10 And verse 17 that yokes of bondages will be destroyed because of the anointing. Everybody who is a believer should want and crave the anointing of God just to exist in this world. But in this program I want to concentrate on something very, very important and that is obtaining the anointing to do exploits and the cost of the anointing to do exploits. Yes, we're going to talk about the cost you and I are going to have to pay for the true anointing of the Lord that everyone is claiming to have these days. But you say, Christine, the Gospel is free. And I answer, yes, it is. Jesus died to save all who will believe. But there are levels of service in God after the initial salvation experience that are only obtained through consecration and sacrifice. You may ask, can you inherit an anointing, a mantle from someone through the laying on of hands? Yes, in a sense, every believer is anointed by the Lord Jesus himself when we put our faith in him and trust him for salvation. Salvation is free, but there are still prices of consecration to be paid in this life of a believer. I once heard Evangelist Billy Graham say that if he had his life to live over again, he would preach more about the cost of discipleship, the cost of carrying the cross of Jesus. For you see, in the Gospels Jesus said very plainly to his disciples, If anyone will come after me and follow me, let him deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. And Jesus also warned that whoever doesn't pick up his cross and follow after the Lord is not worthy of the Lord. To enjoy the presence and the anointing of the Lord, you're going to have to die to some things. And I have to tell you, quite honestly, you're going to have to die to some desires. You'll have to let go of many things. You'll even have to forfeit some friends because most of your friends are going to desert you anyway. You may as well just know that now so it won't be so painful when it happens. Billy Graham was saying that sometimes preachers don't prepare their converts to face adversities and when tough times come and they come to all of us, they just collapse, they die on the vine. They just can't cope. Many begin to whine and complain, How can a good God let bad things happen to me? And some who started out well in the Lord slide back tragically into the kingdom of darkness. I was speaking with a Christian bishop in West Africa, and he was lamenting to me that even many preachers in his country believe that as long as they have been called by God, they don't think that they'll have to go through any trials and heartaches. Because of an overemphasis on the so-called prosperity gospel, which is all some young preachers have ever heard, some preachers who come along today even wrongly believe that it's a curse to live below the status of the governors of their state. They have to have a certain level of automobile, a certain size home. Well, we're not against preachers living comfortably. But on the other hand, we don't have to live like kings. People with a true anointing of God in their lives have a few things in common. And each of us paid a unique cost depending on the type of anointing that we receive from the Lord. And our anointing is our equipment, our supernatural equipment to do the assignment that God gives us. The great men and women who have been anointed that we study in the Bible all had to pay a cost for their anointing. Today there are so many who claim that because the Lord died for us, we don't have to pay any price for our anointing. But first in our study, I want to look at the word anoint in Hebrew. It means literally to rub or to smear something, usually oil, on an object. And this substance, such as oil, represents the Holy Spirit in an act of consecration. And from this noun, to anoint, we get the well-known word, Mashiach, the Anointed One. One who is consecrated for a special office. Jesus is Yeshua HaMashiach, the Holy Anointed One of God. So the anointing is the presence of the Holy Spirit poured upon someone and permeating out of someone's very being. The anointing is the overflowing life of the Lord imparting supernatural strength to us, and His anointing enables us to perform what He calls us to do or to stand in a ministry office. For example, in ancient times God would assign someone to be anointed and and He would have oil poured upon Him to function in the office of a prophet, a priest, or a, a king. David in the Bible had the anointing to be all three, king, prophet, and priest. In the book of Acts, in chapter 8, there was a great move of God going on in Samaria led by the evangelist Philip. And there was a sorcerer named Simon, and he was amazed at what Philip the evangelist was doing, at the signs and wonders. This sorcerer named Simon followed Philip everywhere, astonished by what he was seeing. And Simon actually offered the apostles money and he said, give me this supernatural ability that I may also put my hands on people and impart the Holy Spirit. But the apostle Peter rebuked Simon, the sorcerer saying, your money perish with you because you thought you presumed you could buy the gift of God. Friends, I'm here to tell you the power of God is not for sale. But to be anointed, we do have to pay something in consecration, in our actions, in our holy lifestyle. And that's what I want us to grasp. In the Bible, priests, prophets, and kings were anointed and set apart, as I said, with a special anointing oil. And and I believe that this is a picture of what the anointing is. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 30, and we're going to see as we study the ingredients of God's holy anointing oil that was poured upon the priests. And each one of these substances in God's holy anointing oil tells us something about what it costs to be anointed. Let's look at that message in Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 to 25. The Lord spoke to Moses and he said, "'Take for yourself quality spices, He said, take a measure of 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, the measurement. And he said, take a hen, which was also a measurement, of olive oil. And you shall make a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded, according to the art of the perfumer, it shall be a holy anointing oil. So God instructed Moses to use the best spices as ingredients. These were very valuable, costly and rare. They weren't common or cheap. And it goes on to say there could be no substitutes or duplications. What does that represent? I believe it represents that nobody can substitute your anointing or duplicate it. You are uniquely brought forth in this earth for a purpose. Isn't that marvelous? God knows the plans and the thoughts He has for you, and He wants to anoint you for your task so that you will not fail but succeed. Now let's look at these four spices myrrh, cinnamon, cane, or calamus, some translations say. Fourthly, cassia, plus a measure of olive oil. Altogether, there were five ingredients. And the number five in the Bible speaks of grace and favor. And the Lord yearns to supply us by His Spirit the anointing to favor us and to give us grace and ability to reinforce the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross, to give us the anointing to overcome sin and sickness. Let's look at that first ingredient. What is the meaning of myrrh? Many of you will grasp this meaning without too much guesswork because myrrh was also a costly gift brought by wise men to the baby Jesus at his birth. This gift of myrrh was emblematic of the fact that the Lord would die, but his wouldn't be a death in vain. He would suffer and die to be the world's savior from the penalty of sin. Myrrh is actually a healing balm and that tells us something about the anointing too. We are anointed to heal and myrrh grows in Arabia and is very costly. It's fragrant but bitter to the taste. It's used in embalmings in Egypt. Myrrh means that we're going to have to die to so much if we want to be powerfully anointed. We have to die to self We have to die to our own ambition and take on the Lord's ambition. We have to die to inordinate affections. We have to die to our own ways and desires. Speaking as one who knew the cost of the anointing, the Apostle Paul said to his spiritual son Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, If a man will therefore purge himself in other words if he will die to his inner self he shall be a vessel unto honor for the lord sanctified fit ready for the master's use prepared for every good work do you want to be prepared for every good work my friend do you want to be used by god it will cost you whatever thing god puts his finger upon however even though To be anointed means you have to make many sacrifices. God's consolations are sweet. Because the Holy Spirit is the Comforter, that's what the Bible teaches, and He fellowships with you. And when He fellowships with you, He rubs. Remember that word anoint means to rub or smear? He rubs His sweet presence on your aching heart to bring relief. That's what His presence does. Now the second ingredient that we saw in the book of Exodus for God's holy anointing oil was cinnamon. I love the taste of cinnamon and its fragrance, especially in the winter time when you put uh, a cinnamon stick in hot, warm, mulled drinks. Some say cinnamon speaks in the scriptures of obedience. Concerning cinnamon here in um, Exodus chapter 30, I think cinnamon points to the person of the Messiah Himself, because in Song of Solomon, chapter 4 and verse 14, cinnamon is used in the bridegroom's description of his bride. I was seeking for more light as to cinnamon's uh, spiritual significance, and one writer noted that a possible derivation of the word cinnamon is from two well-known Hebrew words, kenah, which is jealousy, from the root to glow, to burn, to be zealous. And the word men, form, or appearance. So, kina, men, could therefore mean the appearance of zeal, which certainly was characteristic of our Lord's entire life. It's recorded in the Gospels that zeal of the Lord's house hath consumed me. And in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8 and verse 6, love is described as being strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Jealousy, or again that word can be zeal. The coals there are, are the coals of fire. And the Hebrew literally says, the most vehement flame of Yah, the zeal of Yah, Yahweh. This gives at least a beautiful and significant meaning of cinnamon and accords with the character of our Lord. He had a love, a zeal for God's glory and for the honor of his house. And if we have that zealous love for the Lord and and a zeal for the honor of his house, that is all part of the anointing, my friend. Calamus, or cane, is a sweet plant of about 10 feet high, growing in Asia in marshy places. And when it's crushed and broken, it exudes a sweet fragrance. The more calamus, or cane, is crushed and broken, the more fragrance is exuded. And, of course, this has a most spiritual application. Because Calamus speaks of brokenness. In Isaiah chapter 66 in verse 2, God says, But on this one I will look, who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. So here God is looking for someone who's of a contrite, broken spirit. That word contrite in Hebrew, Daka means to crumble, to brush to bruise, to break into pieces, such as our Lord was broken during his passion. Many people wonder why they're not more anointed, but perhaps they have a missing ingredient, brokenness. Maybe there's still too much pride, not enough yieldedness to the Lord. When you study the Gospels in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 14, you can learn a very valuable lesson concerning brokenness. There was a certain woman, Mary of Bethany, who came to the house of Simon the leper where Jesus was fellowshipping. And this woman had a possession, a very precious thing. She had an alabaster box or flax of spikenard perfume that was worth 300 days of labor, according to one Bible commentary. And in the days of our Lord, women saved their alabaster boxes for their bridegrooms and for their wedding days. They never broke the box until they were married. But the Bible says that Mary of Bethany broke the alabaster box she had been keeping. This represents sacrifice. And she poured that spikenard on the head of Jesus and she anointed him and she could only do that by breaking the container, by making that sacrifice. So for the calamus to exude its sweet fragrance, it must be bruised and broken. And for our life to be pleasurable and acceptable to God to carry his anointing, we must also be broken and malleable in the master's hands. God says in his word that he will consider and have respect towards those who have been broken. Paul was the perfect example of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And here he speaks of his life as a broken vessel, even though he was so powerful and did miracles. For we have become, Paul says, a spectacle to the world. We are looked upon as fools on account of Christ and for his sake. To this hour, Paul says, we have gone both hungry and thirsty. And we, the Amplified says, habitually wear but one undergarment. We shiver in the cold. We are roughly knocked about and wander around homeless. We toil in weariness for our living. Working hard, Paul said, with our own hands. When men revile us, we bless them. When we are persecuted, Paul says, we take it patiently and endure it. When we are slandered and defamed, we try to answer softly and bring comfort. We have been made and are now the rubbish and filth of the world. The off of all things, the scum of the earth. In other words, Paul says, we've lost our reputation. We don't need the approval of men because we have been broken. And God is saying this is the kind of person I will respect and continually pour out my anointing of favor upon. The fourth ingredient was cassia. This is an aromatic bark of a tree growing in Arabia. It's often used as medicine. Cassia is derived from a Hebrew word meaning to bend, to stoop, to go low. Cassia therefore speaks of what? Humility. The Bible says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. When one is anointed, he has a continuous walk in humility, or otherwise pride will destroy. All glory continually goes to God. And when we study the holy anointing oil, we see that the conduit to carry all of these fragrances was the olive oil. But when you think about olives, to extract their oil, even they are hard pressed and crushed as well. So here we have another picture of crushings and brokenness that we go through to become malleable in the hands of our Creator. I told you early in the program that there's a price to pay to carry a high level of anointing, and again, I will tell you, you will lose your reputation among family and your friends, and you can be abandoned by everyone around you. At one point, when I first began my ministry here in Israel, I lost all of my friends. It will seem as if you're living in the wilderness, but you'll be able by God's grace to stand long periods of drought. Not everyone passes the test of the wilderness, for many are called, Jesus said, but few are chosen. May he give us more and more grace. In Exodus 30, God said concerning that anointing oil, you're not to make anything like it. You're not to duplicate it. My friend, there's a great danger when you're not chosen, when you're not anointed by God to do a certain work, if you then stubbornly or willfully decide that you are going to do it anyway, you can be in trouble, you can fail. If you're not called by God for a particular job, just relax and wait for your own marching orders. Because if you presume to do somebody else's work, that amounts to stealing. You could do somebody else's work for a while, but you will eventually be wasting your time because you cannot pay the price that somebody else is destined to pay because God simply will not give you the faith. He won't give you the strength and the endurance to do somebody else's work. Let's look at the price Noah had to pay to build the ark to save mankind and the animals in his day. The price he had to pay in those days was very bitter. He and his family became a laughing stock to the whole community. Many of us today groan under the weight of trials and persecutions of one type or the other. The price we have to pay for our anointing can sometimes cause us to endure mockery and to bear up under hardships, cheerfully, I hope. It's better to know this, my friend, for every genuine anointing that sets you apart from the rest of the people, there will be a price to pay. You'll be misunderstood. Not everybody will like you. Many will despise you. Sometimes people will gossip about you. Other times you'll go through dangerous valleys and you'll feel like you're all alone. But because of your anointing, because the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you and rubs His presence on you, you can overcome these tests every time. Let's consider Abraham, the father of faith. What did he have to pay for his anointing? Abraham had to leave home and all that was familiar to go to a place that he didn't know he was also called by God to sacrifice the thing most dear to him his son what is the cost of your anointing is it your family is it your friends sometimes the price we have to pay is betrayal from family or friends who desert us Joseph in the Bible was hated by his brothers because of his anointing. He was stripped of his clothes, of his robe. He was thrown into a pit and sold as a slave. He stood firmly protecting his anointing. And what happened for that, the price he paid was he was framed. He was flogged and thrown into prison. But because he protected his anointing, God, raised him up. Moses had to pay the price to condescend from being a prince of Egypt to being a shepherd, a job that Egyptians absolutely despised. Well, my friends, Jesus himself said that if you want to follow him, the price you're going to have to pay is to take up your cross daily and follow him. What is your cross? Your cross is not my cross. My cross is not your cross. It's that individualized thing that you want that makes you independent from God. It's that part of you that wants your own way. And you have to take that up, surrender, and bear it. Taking up your cross is not wearing a crucifix or a shiny gold necklace. Taking up your cross is doing the will of the Father. Such an anointing can take you to prison like Joseph and like Daniel who went to the lion's den. Such an anointing can drive you into exile like Moses. Or it can call you to places like Jonah where you might not even want to go. What price is God asking you to pay today? You may be asking, how can I be anointed, Christine? It's very simple, my friend. First of all, to be anointed, you have to do what every believer does. You must first repent of your sins, acknowledge that you need the Lord Jesus, receive Him in His Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, call upon the Lord while He may yet be found. You may not always be able to come to the Lord Jesus because you have to receive Him. The Bible says, when the Holy Spirit is drawing you, and I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing you now. Receive him. And then when you belong to the Lord, you can ask him to anoint you with his holy anointing oil. I hope that you have enjoyed this program today discussing the holy anointing oil of God. Perhaps you would like to talk to me and receive my newsletter. We can have a chat or you can ask for my newsletter by emailing me at my email address, Christine. At Jerusalem.com and I'll be glad to send you a free copy of our exploits magazine and please visit our website at www.exploits.tv where you can see other programs our videos on demand until next time this is Christine saying shalom God bless you from Zion